so like now that the weather's getting nicer when I go out to walk the dog, the uh little neighborhood kids are out and like I think the oldest one's probably ten and they talk fucking hard, man. They're like, they're like fuck you, bitch, throw the ball. It's a dodgeball. And I'm like, I don't remember going that hard that loud in public <laughs> when I was ten. I remember being a pretty foul mouthed ten year old. Yeah, um, but when but like we would do it like in the basement or like maybe the backyard, not at a public park around dozens of other people. <laughs> I don't know. I, be, I feel like I'm being kind of old man, get off my lawn mm-hmm. with it. But at the same time, it's like every other word from those kids is just the F bomb or yeah. some other mm-hmm. just like foul shit. As I sit here swearing on a podcast with my <laughs> friends. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's a little mind blowing. I think the language, I mean, especially explicit language, like, evolves. And I think that, I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, certain words aren't even really cuss words anymore, right? Yeah. Like, ass yeah. and damn and things like that. A lot of the um, curse words are starting to go away from, you know, being that offensive. And then I think things like, you know, shit and fuck are right around the corner. I think that makes sense to me. Like, generally, I, I'd rather, you know, us focus on actual hateful hurtful words versus like nonsense that doesn't mean anything you know yeah but 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 at the same time they like it seems like they learn those words and then they think like they can just talk hard to anybody walking by and i'm like are they yelling that at you to throw the ball for the dog no like uh they actually haven't yelled at me but there was this um <laughs> you little bearded like, bitch get the fuck <laughs> off our court <laughs> no there was like this uh there's like this group of like Maybe like 20-somethings kind of walking by. I say 20-somethings. It makes me feel really fucking old. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they were like they maybe 20. And they were like, they're like, yeah, yeah, you guys don't want to come in here and play on, on our court because we'll fuck you up. Yeah, get the fuck out of here, you bitches. And I'm like, dude, you guys are going to get your ass beat. <laughs> like, <laughs> just because you learn hard words and you say that shit on Fortnite doesn't mean you're. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's doesn't mean you're ready to thing. rumble. I I remember I was maybe like 16, so, you know, well-versed in uh, curse words and insults. And some, like, 10-year-old was just... We we were playing, like, a little pickup game of, uh, you know, Home Run Derby, and this little 10-year-old came up and just started saying, like, the foulest shit, and I'm just like, I'm fucking tired of this, and I say one thing to him, and he immediately cries and, like, runs away. I'm like, (laughs) oh, fuck, man. <laughs> you were you, you were giving me such shit. I said one thing, and now you're gonna go <laughs> like telling me get out of here, kid. Paul's making making children cry. Uh, that's what I do. 1997 or whenever you were 16. <laughs> <laughs> what would that be? 99. No, dude. No, 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 we no, were sorry, only like 14 in 99. Yeah, I can do math. <laughs> I do math. <laughs> Yeah, my math, my common core. I need, I need to go back to elementary school, <laughs> learn how to cuss, and learn how to yourself math for some five year olds. <laughs> you need to brush up on your math blasters. And yeah, <laughs> I think you said something earlier that makes a lot of sense. I think they they really get into a lot of this type of talk over like Fortnite and and other online games that it's really an anonymous and it doesn't matter what you say to anyone. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like that, who was it, Mike Tyson said people are too comfortable being rude on the internet and forget that they can get punched in the fucking face. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually a Mike Tyson quote. I think people just attribute it to him or something, but no, it's one of those I ones think where... the actual quote from Mike Tyson is, everyone has a plan until they're punched in the face. 
Right. I mean, that's his that's his classic one. But I think yeah. recently he had Did come he, out saying like, yeah, people are too comfortable talking shit online and then forget that they can get punched in the in the mouth. Did uh, Mike Tyson punch someone in the mouth recently? I don't know. Probably. Oh, yeah. That would be a fun show. It's just like <laughs> Mike Tyson, off Mike punching Tyson people for half an hour and then he punches <laughs> someone in the, in the face. <laughs> that's my pitch for whatever our prompts yeah. are. Right. We, we could just care. have a show where we follow Mike Tyson around and he beats up internet bullies. We'll call it Cranking yeah. Tyson. Yeah. I'm just thinking like this really pointless Seinfeld type comedy where it just like the episodes are about nothing. It just ends with Mike Tyson getting angry and punching <laughs> someone in the face. <laughs> but it's not scripted. We just have a huge legal team. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it should be like a whole channel. Like... And you don't know what show Mike Tyson is going to show up on. Like it could be the news, and at the end he just like punches out like <laughs> just, a sports guy, just knocks out Tom Brokaw. <laughs> Tom Brady gets a touchdown and <laughs> he runs out and punches him in the face. <laughs> you never know. Everyone would love watching CBS if that was like <laughs> their whole thing. If Mike Tyson could show up at any time and just any knock show, somebody out. Punch them. <laughs> hmm. I think that's. I, I think we're we're we got gold. Yeah, <laughs> it's the wave of the future, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this is Script Prompt Two, the biweekly podcast where we improvise and brainstorm film and television script concepts based on random creative prompts like genre, character, prop, and setting. My name is Chad. I'm on with Paul and Mikey. Sam is a little busy for us this week, so he'll be back um, a little bit later. All right. So let's roll the die. Five. Five prompts. Five. Ooh. All right. Cinco. Scully's catches of the day. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. I actually have to draw things, don't I? <laughs> yeah. That'd be, you're, the, you're the one who has them. I do this. Um, the first one is a character that is a child. So, okay. I mean, obviously a child's anything under 18, but um, I don't know. I would think maybe a character that's pre-teenage years, maybe a little bit more, okay. more in line with, with that. The... the idea behind up, that up to tween up to tween up to tween maybe yeah but okay. not like toddler to tween toddler to tween and everything in between like a 17 year old i don't know i mean it's still a child technically but are we playing by woody allen rules right <laughs> i haven't watched Yuck. that yet is it uh that allen vs pharaoh yeah, it's a good watch. I, I didn't know about one of the kids in the allegations. Every time I heard people talk about him, I always I chalked it up to his like stepdaughter wife and just didn't make a distinction that one of the other kids was being molested. It was very interesting. All right, we have a genre romance. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've always kind of understood about Woody Allen, and maybe it's not that cut and dry, and it'll be interesting to watch the show. I just mm-hmm. haven't gotten around to it yet, is that... I mean, they did a whole investigation, all this stuff back in the 90s when it came out, and there was not a lot of evidence that what they were saying was true. So it's kind of this weird thing. All right. Uh, We have a prop that is a briefcase. In terms of who he assaulted, supposedly, or accused of assaulting, it is only one kid. From my understanding, it's his his stepdaughter and his adopted daughter he ended up marrying which is just bizarre but uh, but like they're still together i think she didn't accuse him of assaulting her in any way and then about this documentary woody allen has said 
that they didn't ask him to respond until two weeks before they aired it or something. And I don't know how accurate that is either. And it's, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. I don't know that much about that. And, and obviously different sides have different things that they say and everything. And it, uh, I don't know how unbiased the uh, documentary is or if they're, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's from Philip K. Dick, who he's really good at uh, being Philip not K. completely Dick. unbiased. Yeah, yeah. Like he did the, he did the, um, the Hunting Ground one about the Jameis Winton. Is there, a, 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 is there a filmmaker that has the same name as the sci-fi writer? Yeah, is there another Philip K. Dick? Kirby Dick. <laughs> That's his name. Kirby Dick. Because okay. of the K, it screwed me up. <laughs> I have a setting in a power plant. No, that makes more sense. I mean, I, yeah. I just didn't, <laughs> I was like, I, Philip I mean, K. Dick, huh? Sorry. Okay, Dick is dead, and he's a sci-fi writer, and I'd yeah. be really surprised if he, <laughs> it's like, his greatest trick was coming back <laughs> as a documentary filmmaker. As a documentary filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> it's his biggest mindfuck yet. Yeah, Kirby Dick. So he did, like, The Hunting Ground. It was about Jameis Winston raping that girl in Florida, and then he did, like, The Invisible War. It's also about sexual abuse in the military against women and... Mm-hmm. He's done a bunch of that kind of stuff, exposing these like institutions and big level people, ignoring credible rape and molestation cases and stuff. Yeah, I'm not defending Woody Allen, but I'm also not the type of person that is going to accept every accusation on face value and and let's you know crucify everyone who anyone says did something without any evidence. You know, so like that's kind of where I land on things. All right, and our fifth prompt is a dishonest narrator. All right, so we have a genre romance, a character that's a child, a character that's a dishonest narrator or unreliable narrator. That's probably the most interesting part of all this, right? Because you Mm -hmm. have to have, we have to build it around a narration, but that narrator be lying. So, yeah, you have examples, usual suspects, or even the prestige is kind of unreliable in that, like, Michael Caine is actively lying in court. Yeah, or Mm. the Wonder Years. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) The whole thing was a lie. I'm convinced. That's my my headcanon, is that everything in the Wonder Years was just a lie from the narrator. (laughs) His life was just fucking awful. And we have a prop that's a briefcase and a setting at a power plant. But again, I, I think the most interesting thing to focus on here is a dishonest narrator and romance. I mean, we've done a romance before. We did it uh, last season with What is Love? And I and I really like that episode. And I really like some of what we talked about with romance in, in terms of you know what makes a good romantic movie versus a, a bad one, right? Mm-hmm. I'd like to continue kind of exploring that because I, I, I think like it's a romantic movie and it just becomes this kind of like cliche, like chick flick and no one wants to yeah. watch it. But some of my favorite movies are at their heart romance, like love stories, right? Yeah. Like, Cause Eternal like sunshine and aren't you big on the time traveler's wife? If I remember right, you like really like that. <laughs> I'm not making sci-fi. that as a joke. I thought you like really liked romantic it. I just want to make that clear. I'm not like poking fun at you saying you like <laughs> time traveler's wife. I thought I remembered you talking about really enjoying it. So, uh, yeah, I do. It gets time travel right in a way that there's no paradoxes and it's really creepy, right? It's like beauty and the beast level creepy where like, like the love story, if you really watch it, isn't very romantic. Yeah. But I mean, any movie where someone's using their time travel ability to go back in time and manipulate a woman into loving them 
is not a romantic movie. <laughs> yeah. You know? If you're into crazy batshit romance, I yeah. guess maybe, but like even the notebook is pretty terrible, right? It's like an abusive relationship. This old lady has forgotten this abusive relationship and is in a home. This guy shows up every day to tell a story of how he abused her and how much he loves her still keeping her in this home. It's a terrible fucking movie. People love the notebook. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I think sometimes people look over the weirdness uh, behind <laughs> romance stuff. I didn't. I watched the movie. It was um, Domhnall Gleeson. It was like about oh time about time. Yeah, that's that's oh. good. I like that. I didn't like that one. I mean, you didn't it was, like that one? It was it was a little too I guess cliche. I thought for me. Well, I thought the it, story about him and his dad was very interesting. Mm-hmm. How you know his dad at some point was dying, and he could go back and you know into the past and spend those couple hours with his dad knowing that when he had to go back to the present that he was, his dad was going to die and them both understanding that like his dad knew about the time travel and everything. So mm. it was like, that was like super interesting. Like, I don't even remember how the rest of the movie ended with the girl because <laughs> it kind of was like, Oh, this is the, the movie right here. Like you don't even need this weird romance thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that gets with the time travel on that one, it gets a little bit into like groundhogs day, like, continually try to like fix mistakes mm-hmm. and stuff like that to to get the girl which groundhog's day has its problems and and that that it being a romance movie I, I love groundhog's day as a comedy it's just yeah if you spend every day with someone forever you're gonna know how to please them but mm-hmm. i mean i think he also learned how to like love someone else too which is a whole other thing but we're also groundhog's not talking days. about a time travel movie <laughs> just because we, we brought That's up time true. traveler's life so <laughs> Talking about romance and somehow got onto sci-fi. Oh, of course, because like (laughs) you have to hitch romance onto another genre. It's not. It's not just itself. It's not. And and, I mean, I guess you could say that it could be, you know, you can do a romantic drama or romantic comedy, Mm -hmm. but oftentimes romance gets kind of hitched onto some other framework to make it something else. So like another earth, right. Is a Mm -hmm. romance movie that's fixed on this sci-fi premise of, there being a parallel earth, you know. Yeah. Or like her, it's like a sci-fi world. And, um, and what happens when, you know, you can emotionally get in a relationship, but yeah. never have like a physical thing. And yeah. I don't know. You guys got any thoughts? I don't have a pitch yet. I can think about that a little bit, but, um, but yeah. I think we should really focus on the, the narrator and how this narrator plays into the form of the film. You know, mm-hmm. what was it? What is the goal of having a narrator who isn't telling the truth? Yeah. And then we can yeah. we can figure out how the rest of that fits in. I kind of like the way that like uh, Scorsese uses narrators in Casino, where it often changes from character to character. And they're not always reliable. And sometimes, you know, you're following... Uh, Robert De Niro for most of the movie and for the most part he's telling you the truth about what's happening and how he's feeling but occasionally you get into Joe Pesci or Sharon Stone and you're in their kind of like madness of listening to their batshit explanations of why they're doing certain things and I think you can do that with this have multiple multiple narrators and that's how you can kind of get this unreliable narrator without having to specifically rely on one person, but still have a cohesive story. You're thinking about just like even fight club, right? Like he's an unreliable narrator, but for what 90% of the movie he isn't, it isn't until like that end 
Well, he's kind of like an unreliable narrator because we don't know that he's isn't like there. Right. Like, yeah. He's and same thing with like usual suspects that you brought up. Right. Like, yeah, he's a reliable narrator until we find out the twist at the end. Then it makes not, the whole yeah. thing. And then yeah. and him not being reliable is part of the reveal. Of yeah. The movie. It's, it's yeah. Like I just watched uh, Fallen, uh, this like movie from the 90s with Denzel Washington about this like demon that can jump from person to person and it does this and like picks someone to like destroy their life. And it just happens to pick Denzel Washington, who's this cop that like caught this one version of him. And he tried to like jump into Denzel and he couldn't do it. So he was like, all right, well now I'm going to fuck up this guy's life. And the whole movie kind of like begins and ends with this unreliable narrator, which you don't know until the end because you hear Denzel telling the story, but you don't know that Denzel is not him. There's someone mm-hmm. else inside of him until the end. And that's kind of what you get with, with Fight Club, where yeah. it's like you just don't he's you don't know that he's Yeah. He's both characters, right? What do you think of Michael? 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 I don't know. Um <laughs> I was thinking you kinda of put a little seed in my head when you we were talking about the prestige with Michael Caine lying in court. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, like, what if we have two people and we tell our love story sort of like, you know, how marriage story is a romance, right? But mm-hmm. it's about like the end of one. Well, what if we do that and our unreliable narrators are the two people in like their arbitration for their divorce hearing? Where they're like talking about the the relationship and like where everything went wrong and why it's irreconcilable differences and like who should get custody of the kid and that sort of thing. And that's where we get our narrative like drive from. But that was just a, that was just the one thing that came to my, my head was like doing it as like a sort of a deposition court hearing, telling a a love story that falls apart kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that. I don't, um, but it's not like it's going to be a bunch. Like it's not going to be like witnesses and like, Oh, best friend Susie shows up and tells her side of the story. Like it's, it's almost sort of like, Rashomon the love story where it's you get um you get both partners view on the uh on the relationship and like telling how they saw the relationship happen but then you also get to hear the other person's view of like yeah what made I, I it think, not work that yeah. way I think this is uh similar to Forget Paris with Billy Crystal the framework is they're meeting friends like uh, for lunch or something like that. And they're both kind of telling the story about how they met, but like both sides of how they got to the part where they met. And you can kind of like jump back and forth between the two, but it's like overall like a lin- linear kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I want to, you know, pitch something that is to unrelated people that we find out where their connection is, or if we have this, the romance is the thing that we're watching either, breakdown or you know develop over time through their narration Mm -hmm. i really like mikey's idea to be honest and it reminds me a little bit of not the whole movie but the end of eternal sunshine where you're hearing those tapes of them talk about each other and it's just like really raw and like because like even in those tapes i think they they just had Kay Winslet and Jim Carrey kind of just talk about past relationships and just kind of like vent on on, mm-hmm. on tape <laughs> and then use the bits that made sense. And I think you can kind of do that in a way 
visually where like even the footage in those scenes feels more raw and like authentic right yeah. it doesn't feel like overly produced it, it feels like you're listening mm-hmm. to someone just talk through this experience and not that everyone's narrating their their life but everyone's perception of what happened our memory is completely unreliable right yeah and i think that gets into it kind of in this idea that both parties have contradictory you know memories of what happened in their life and you can kind of play that out and see and you can kind of see the points in which like they're just really just misunderstanding each other and they if they would just like communicate then they could maybe it would work out but then you can also see the points where like one of them maybe did something you know really wrong and and Mm -hmm. that's why they're getting divorced and everything you really plan to that I, yeah. I really like that idea. So, I mean, and yeah. there could be like, there could be little moments of like synchronicity every once in a while where you get that moment where they both saw it exactly as they saw it kind of like mm-hmm. they gelled and it's like, what about your first date? And it's like, Oh, you know, they were the most beautiful person I ever saw. And you play like both voices at the same time saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see you can do something like that. And then, you know, have them remember uh, like an event with, you know, important information for whatever this hearing is. I guess it's going to be like over this kid and you, you show the the scene and it plays out one way and then the other person tells their version of it. And then, you know, the person they're telling the story about has like a different tone. Like there, it's all the exact same words, but they just play it a lot different. So you just do two different takes and like, all right, you're the bad guy in this one. And now second take you're the bad guy in this one so mm. you don't really know who's at fault for this you know specific event i think yeah. you could do some cool stuff with that well and that's why i think maybe having it be like an arbitration kind of thing instead mm-hmm. of like an actual like court here because because then also you know you get maybe they maybe they really play maybe for like the first you know third of the movie not maybe not even that long but for the first little bit of the movie they're like really playing it up to like vilify the person and to like maybe the counselor steps in and goes like, Hey, you know, we're not here to, to, you know, to make the other person look bad. We're here to talk about what happened and like make this, you know, work somehow between you two. Like we're, we're not, or maybe it's not even a divorce hearing. Maybe it's like couples therapy. Like they're on the, they're on the verge of, of a divorce or something. And so they're, you know, so at first they're like really needling at each other and like really being shitty. And then they like, they kind of go like, well, okay, here's here's a time where things were good. And here's where I found out that they were a good parent. And I found out that, you know, they really did care about more than just them or going out after work or, you know, like, so you start getting, you know, you start with the, you're the bad guy for this take, you're the bad guy for this take. And then eventually you get one where it's just a, a take where it's just sort of, and you can even with this type of setting, you can even play with camera angles where, Mm-hmm. Uh, like to storyboard it out, for example. And I know this is sort of getting a little nitty gritty into the kind of stuff we normally do, but you could play with it where when you're telling it from the one partner's side, the camera's always on their side of the the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then when it's from the other person's point of view for that one, you're actually getting like from, not not point of view, not like first person, but you're getting, they're more dominant in the frame when they're the one telling their version of events. I think that would be a cool, like conceptual piece to do with a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I was thinking like, and it kind of depends on what we want the end goal to be. Right. Do we want the end goal to be 
you know, they're in counseling and they and they figure it out. Do we want to be divorce arbitration? Do we want them to not get divorced? Do we want them to realize that they they love each other? I was originally thinking like it was maybe like a a child custody uh, or um, deposition type thing where they're they're already divorced, but maybe we don't make that. Maybe that isn't. That's just part of the story, right? That the, that's part of the story that we come to through the midpoint or whatever that they get divorced and now they're and and it kind of shifts the the goalpost, right? Because the original goalpost is okay. maybe we think they're they're trying to work things out and it kind of shifts it, and then you know in the end it doesn't have to be uh happy like everyone gets back together ending, but maybe it's a a you know they decide that they have some sort of joint custody or something like that ending but yeah and i think that's where like the twins and one goes to england and the other one goes to the (laughs) mountains and you never talk about them having twins or yeah and then we parent trap later on yeah (laughs) yeah no to the parent trap (laughs) (laughs) um no one ever talks about the other kid digitally (laughs) de-aged a a (laughs) (laughs) three-year-old but no so my only concern is if it's a if it's like a child custody hearing and you only have the two people telling their side of events like I don't want it to just be like over dramatized villainy on on either side of whoever's telling it like I want it to feel real like I want it to be like not just a constant like well from my point of view you're the biggest piece of shit on the planet and then from the other person is like well from my point of view you're the biggest piece of shit on the planet I want it to sort of like have an emotional drive where I think I'm what's best for the child, but I don't think you're a villain kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that and make I, sense? And I do that like, in ways that aren't like over the top villainy. If like one of them is financially or whatever irresponsible, and maybe that's just going back into some like early nineties, uh, like <clears throat> dad comedy things like uh like um mrs dalfire and and others right where like you just play this dad up and not as not being able to support the kid and and he has to prove himself but yeah i don't know i, I get Sorry. what you're saying though I, I don't want it to be i don't want it to be like this this absurdist comedy of, of just like making it right. out to be literally monsters uh, mm-hmm. on screen and, and going back and forth. Although that, that is a, a different concept and, and, and not <laughs> uninteresting. I just don't know if that's what we want to do. Right? Well, you just their, made like, me think about scenes and the chick has horns <laughs> or something. Like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you just made me think about doing an alternate cut of Mrs. Doubtfire from like the mom's point of view. <laughs> this crazy way, like, nanny just shows up and like <laughs> the whole time she's like this guy looks a lot this lady looks a lot like my ex-husband but in like an old lady mask <laughs> <laughs> she like immediately recognizes him <laughs> the fuck are you doing I mean, it's more like um how arrest development handled uh tobias's <laughs> yeah. everyone knew he was the uh, <laughs> mrs featherbottom and didn't, or there uh, was uh, just didn't say anything as they were getting <laughs> the house cleaned. <laughs> there was a there was a Saturday Night Live short they did once where it was uh, Weekend at Bernie's, but people just immediately recognize that it's just a corpse, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they go on trial because they like desecrated a corpse, and it was just pretty funny. Um, this is an unpopular opinion, but 
I don't really, other than just getting more things to stick on a murderer, I don't understand some of the um, the <laughs> crazy, like, corpse uh, defiling charges. They, like, like okay, you murdered somebody, and then you chopped it up to, to like, get rid of the evidence. What are you supposed to do? Like, just leave it in the middle of the street? <laughs> but well, if it's an accident, it, like, then, you know, there's a good possibility that you can, like... Be like, oh man, it was self-defense, and then get away with it, right? But if you start chopping it up and like putting the little bags and feeding it to people, then it's like, okay, no, he had some crazy intent on, you know, f- feeding chunks of Henry to everyone, you know? <laughs> I guess I just don't really, I mean, once a person's dead, and I understand that there's a lot of cultural and religious and ethical like implications mm-hmm. their own like body and i and i don't i don't care about not that i don't care that people have them i just personally they don't mean anything to me so this is where the disconnect is but like to me i mean if someone murdered somebody they've already committed that act and then you want to also charge them for desecrating a body because they burned it and it's just like they've already done the bad thing the the burning, it's just the body, you know, like, I, I don't know, you know, like, I just have a different outlook on all of that, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like, I, I don't even really. Well, it's those situations where, funerals, you know, it's a situation where, like, if, if you claim that you just found this dead person, then uh, that's different than if you just found this dead person and then trying to clean up the scene and throw him in a suitcase in the river right okay so we can't prove that you killed this guy maybe they did die of a heart attack we can't tell now because he's chopped up and has been at the bottom of the lake but like you at least did something because you fucking mutilated this thing you know you made it hard for us to do our job and just put this guy in the ground you know yeah i mean that's 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 the inconvenience fee you know that's what it is (laughs) (laughs) yeah right there's also like and i know that they do this they charge people for different things they don't know if everything's gonna stick so like they have evidence that you do one thing but they don't know about the other thing so they charge you Mm -hmm. for a bunch of stuff and and let's see what 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 sticks but i don't know sometimes i think it's like all right the person already killed 25 people like why are you, why are you also charging him for burning a body? <laughs> just like, he's gonna be in jail for life. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe they give out bonuses with how many like charges you can get to stick to a a crazy murderer guy. <laughs> I think that the, when you list off those charges, it, it just it also sounds more like yeah, like you're more likely to get like the big murder one if you also tack on fifteen other charges of you know giving a wet willy to a dead head, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You dressed it up like a woman, and then you burned it. Five charges. Another 30 years. Throw it in there. Uh, yeah. I did not mean to just ra- derail our uh, <laughs> movie conversation by bringing up a Saturday Night Live short. but That is uh, the point of a podcast sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Just to talk about things. So, <clears throat> what are you guys thinking about that then? Like, I mean, I think it would be good for us to narrow down what what this hearing is, whether it's, it doesn't have to be a, you know, it doesn't have to be a like official court hearing, but what mm-hmm. are, well, they- are we going? Or, so are we going forward with that? I mean, um, I, I, I kind of like this, like going with um, this custody kind of thing. I think we can still throw in a couple monkey wrenches that I'd like to throw in at the end, not up front. So it's not just like a typical kind of movie. Um, but I like this, uh, where we're going with it. Like it's almost like Kramer versus Kramer, but we're actually hearing the arguments against each other 
instead of just following Dustin Hoffman the whole time and then getting a little snippet at the end. It's like mm. we're kind of reliving their relationship, breaking down, you know, throughout the movie, and then kind of, you know, the end can be some surprising twist that I will reveal later. You'll um. reveal later. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like the the custody thing, but I'm okay if it's like counseling or or whatnot. But I, I don't know. I, I I think in order for there to be an appropriate amount of drama in this in them telling their stories, it's gonna be unbelievable for them to repair or fix the relationship really in the end. Right. And not it's like enough to have enough conflict there. And I feel like that's my biggest problem with romance movies that end with the two people getting together in a substantial way is that oftentimes they resort to the person made a big like grand love gesture and it changed people's minds. And that doesn't fix a problematic relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I would never want to resort to that in a. uh in a story idea. And I don't really know what, I mean, I don't know. We haven't really talked about what some of these scenarios that they, they, they would be working through and maybe it's, maybe it's not that big, but, or maybe, yeah, maybe it is just counseling and, and we don't, we don't know, you know, what the duration of the relationship is, if they're going to, you know, continue it, you know, <clears throat> but I think I'm a little bit more interested in the, in the custody part, but, I'll defer to you guys on that. Okay. It may also depend on Paul's big reveal. Well, I I can do it now because I think this might inform where we go with this story. Um, Does he set the plant to melt down? (laughs) (laughs) It's all, it's Marge and Homer Simpson, right? And (laughs) so that's where the power plant (laughs) is. The reveal is that it's the Simpsons the whole time. (laughs) Um, No, so, okay. So what I was thinking is, that there are these tapes of their testimony for this custody hearing, right? Like they do a tapes deposition. Um, so they both kind of tell their stories and they both tell their sides. And the whole main part of the movie is us watching that as if we're the interviewer. Um, but then when it gets towards the end of the movie, we're actually the like 14, 15 year old kid who found these tapes and had sat down and watched them all. And now we're deciding uh, which parent we want to go with, like who we want to live. Oh, with. I like that. I actually, I really like that. Like, cause you get that, like when they're four, is, is it 14 or 15 when they get to decide which parent they want to stay with, regardless of who has custody, if it's split custody or there's a certain age, I can't remember what it is, but it's like, it's, I'm sure it's by state. So we could find a state where that's like a thing. I think it's also by discretion of the judge, but I mean, you have to go to court and put and like contest, uh, custody, uh, agreements and things like that to, um, Mm -hmm. to bypass that if, if, if it comes to that. Right. Mm. So what if to iron that out, we just said that that was part of the custody agreement was at 15, the kid gets to mm-hmm. decide which parent they're going to stay with full time. Like we just iron that out. We just get rid of that as like, that's part of the, the. Yeah. Like in the, in the beginning when they start the tapes, like, oh, so this is, this is not like an investigation into your life. This is just for our, the court's uh, knowledge to, to know, you know, who's, 
most adept to take care of this kid. Something like that. Well, I kind of wonder if maybe it's like this forced decision that we, I mean, we don't have to explain it in any other way other than, you know, when the kid's a teenager, uh, one of the parents is moving and, uh, yeah. And the kid has to, um, decide at that point who, who he wants to go with. Right. And they're kind of leaving it up okay. to him or her, however we to go with mm-hmm. that. And then I'm wondering how she's, how, that character is going to find the kid is going to find the deposition tapes. It's not like people just keep that stuff. No, no. Well, I'm, I'm thinking that this is a resourceful kid and this could be not really like super wealthy people, but you know, kind of well off. Like they'll like they're moving because they have like a big job offer, you know, say, say they're in California and one's going to move to DC for some, you know, government position or whatever. Right. So this is like the big thing. And, um, so the kid's resourceful. They got a little money. He hires a private detective to get the tapes. So at the end, when it's revealed that the kid is watching the tapes, the private detective like takes him and you know walks out like he's going to return them, so no one will know that he saw the the tapes. Um, and you can have that character kind of pop up in each of the other people's stories because they're they're all just like using the same private detective to get dirt on each other, and he can. Uh, kind of be part of like the kids kind of life a little bit, you know, kind of, you know, the guy from Arrested Development that like had the missing hand (laughs) played all the jokes (laughs) on the kids teach them not to leave empty milk cartons in the fridge Mm. like that. Like they, they all kind of like know this person, like it's, you know, a brother-in-law of one of them or something, you know, I don't know how the kid would know that they did these deposition tapes and what, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if that's something you do for custody hearings. Like, and I, a it's a fake divorce, world that we're right? making up in no a movie, idea. man. So, uh, for this, they can be. Maybe this is like 1988, and this is how they did it back then. I mean, I think it makes sense from just a a we're trying to figure stuff out to you know interview each of the parents about what how they feel about the relationship and why why they feel like uh like the other parent isn't uh necessarily uh you know suited for and maybe at that point if we're if we're taking it away from you know who's getting custody then and to who's getting custody you know years after the divorce then maybe this is more of a a divorce hearing uh deposition thing instead of a custody thing because i think we do want to center that story around their relationship and let's mm-hmm. say the one detractor against making it about why aren't they suitable to be a parent is that it takes a little bit away from the romance the what this is supposed to be right mm-hmm. um <clears throat> But I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I buy the kid is going to hire a private detective to go take tapes that he has no idea exists uh, to make this Maybe decision. he does have an idea that they exist because he overhears them talking all the time and, and yelling and shit. Kids can figure things tapes. out. Yeah. He just calls the lawyer for something or <laughs> they mentioned it like in passing at something. Yeah, I don't know. You ever just like believe a, a one-off sentence from a movie and be like, okay, in this world that makes sense? So like, why are they smoking in space? I don't know. They <laughs> invented often. the whatever machine, and now they can smoke in space. Who's smoking in space? From Thank You for Smoking. 
they were making a movie about people who like smoke in space and they're like, isn't it like all oxygen environment when they explode? And they're like, no, we can just throw away a line. Like, thank God we invented the blah, blah, blah. And then they like light <laughs> up a cigarette. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Mikey? Um, I think I like the idea where it would go with that, like the emotional hit of we're watching it. And then we get to see how someone intimately involved with it would react to hearing it all. I, I kind of, I kind of like that idea. I just don't know. Um, I agree. That's not the point that I'm, I'm like questioning. It's the ability for, and maybe it's just how the kid comes across the tapes. Maybe the is tapes this is this really holding you up? Like, maybe what? it this was kid can't just find maybe tapes. It was, is that is that what's really holding you up from this? The kid hiring Maybe a it, private detective to go if he just trace finds down him? some tapes that he doesn't know exist is holding me up. Yes, I'm sorry. Oh my but God. I'm saying that maybe there's another way to get to that. What if it was just part of the agreement is you're being recorded, your kid's going to be able to decide someday who they want to go with, and we're going to let them listen to these, t- or maybe the, the mom decides to let them listen to it. It doesn't have to be like surreptitious. Maybe the mom thinks it's her last Hail Mary to get the kid to pick her as she forgets how poorly she represented herself as well during it so she goes well before you decide to go stay with your dad listen to this and plays the tapes for him and then like realizes like oh shit i said some really really terrible things about my ex in this like it it doesn't have to be like they went like dark night detective mode and and like discovered these hidden tapes it could just be something that was told to them yeah, I mean, I think that that makes more sense to me. I, I was just trying to. I, I I don't think it matters really how he gets the tapes. Just the reveal that <laughs> you see him watching the tapes at the end, or her watching. Yeah, the tapes and the that's end. the thing that doesn't have to be revealed to us yeah. right away. It's just that's the kid is the one listening to the tapes the yeah. whole time with us as the audience, and then they explain like, "I wanted you to understand." I wanted you to make like an informed decision on who you want to stay with. So here's what led to us getting this divorce. And then it's like how I'm, how I left your mother. <laughs> <laughs> and we put it on for eight seasons and uh, so we're doing a TV show. 19 Emmys. I like it. Yeah. No, I, I, <laughs> in terms of just explaining away with dialogue, honestly, just having, them watching it and then have the mom or the dad or whoever uh, say, like you said, Mikey, um, I just wanted you to hear these to, to, to help make your decision. Like we don't have to explain how they got the tapes back mm-hmm. or anything like that. I just, I was hung up on the private detective thing. Cause I, I don't think that makes any sense. <laughs> it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Are you, if he gets the tapes? I mean, it doesn't but like, matter. Okay. Um, if, if 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 Moroni came down with a box and the tapes were in golden tablets and he had to read them out of a hat, <laughs> it didn't matter. Did did you like stop Jurassic Park halfway through and be like, "This is not how you make dinosaurs"? Give me more science. Well, that is explaining a a completely fictional fantasy uh you know thing that you have to suspend disbelief because that's not how it works. Uh, this isn't real, man. <laughs> it's, it's grounded in reality, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's got to be very, 
very grounded in reality. We're going to go and get a lawyer to come in here and finish up our script. We're going to take a break, everyone. <laughs> we should probably do that. We also got to talk to a lawyer about suing your cousin still. So. I know. There's a lot of lawyers <laughs> stuff need to happen soon. Does anyone listen to us a lawyer? We'll give you all our Patreon <laughs> stuff if you're a lawyer. $3 a month. Well, let's go ahead Paul's and uh, figure out that. No. Just do an even trade. <laughs> We're going to have to hire a lawyer to figure out how to hire a lawyer <laughs> with our Patreon earnings. We need a lawyer lawyer. It's actually not a full $3 because <laughs> I only get like $2.30. So. Oh, man. Um, well, don't tell them that. We need the lawyers to want to do this for 3 bucks. <laughs> I don't want to like overpromise and then be out $0.70 cents a month. <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> All right, $2. Jesus. But so that's good. I think we've got a movie. Well, I think it would be helpful to talk about some of the circumstances, I feel like in general, we've been pretty um, big picture on a lot of our discussions lately. And I wonder if we can do anything to narrow it down a little bit more. Sure. So do you want to kind of like start the movie where it's like we're watching like the beginning of their relationship for like a good like 10, 15 minutes and then it stops and then it tells like, uh, you know, the woman's version of their first meeting and it's like completely different and he's just like not this smooth romantic dude. He's just like some fucking doofus that she was felt sorry for. But like his initial version of it is just like he's like the super suave dude. Maybe it's even a different like actor that plays him for the first like little bit. He's like <laughs> some like really handsome dude. But then like it actually turns into the actor when like uh, she starts telling the story. I... No, I think you I think you open with the deposition room. Like, you know, lawyer walks in, briefcase, tape recorder comes out. Boom. Now we've not only hit a prompt, but we also are establishing our setting and our our, narr- mm. our narrative device mm-hmm. of like the recording comes out, we know where we are, but we could even do we could introduce the split cut cuz they're not going to be in the same room with yeah. each other telling these stories. So, you know, we do this, we do the thing, lawyer sits down, opens the briefcase, and then you do another quick cut where it's like, it's the guys there. And then you do a cut and the ladies there and it's, and it goes like, okay, let's get started. And then we do the tapes and we do, we hear the stories yeah. of like, I kind of think um, everything that's going on and you frame the, you frame the narrative and then you, you talk about like, how'd you guys meet? What happened? How'd you guys get together? Yeah. And then you get this, you get the, the romance, uh, of it, but the whole time it's going to feel bittersweet because we know we're in some sort of like arbitration room <laughs> and the, but maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. We don't know if it's going to be a divorce yet until the mm-hmm. end. And then we get the reveal and then we get the, all that stuff. I kind of so. like the idea of maybe starting a little bit more you know, present day or starting around the time of when they start having problems. Right. And then getting into some of the, the reasons why we loved each other later on, because that, like, if you think about, um, eternal sunshine, for example, when they're going through their memories, they start, it goes in reverse. Right. And they've, they're falling back into love parallel to the they're they're falling out of love through their memories right and we're not having these characters fall back into love but i think like if you want to hit that kind of more like that higher note like throughout you know i guess it depends on what we want to focus on there because if you want to focus on we either focus on everything's happy and everything gets really bad 
at the the top of the bell curve or we focus on things being bad and and things getting better right Mm -hmm. i think if we focus on it from the concept of i don't think i did anything wrong here's how they screwed up our relationship and then you get that two sides of the coin each time where they're the story is being told on how the relationship not only started, but then like, you know, you get the, I don't even know what I was thinking when I first met this person. And like, you know, for one, maybe the first date was great. And then you get the other story where the first date was a disaster. And like, they're like, from there, I should have known like everything was going to be great. And then from there, I should have known everything was going to be terrible. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. And you get moments like that throughout the story where it's, it, it goes through the events of like, their first date to the first time they said they loved each other to the first time when they finally proposed. And then when they found out they were going to have a kid and then, you know, how that affected their lives on, on either side of things. And that, and like a relationship, they don't always have to be like attached at the hip to each other either. Like you can get stories where it's like, Oh, I found out she was pregnant while I was at work and she was off doing this. And then like, so it's not just the two of them doing a little montage vignette of their entire relationship. You get like, like how we divert on things with the stories and stuff while we're talking on a podcast where it's like all of a sudden we'll spend an hour talking about Mrs. Doubtfire for no reason. Right. No, we didn't actually spend an hour doing that, but you know, yeah. I mean. like it doesn't have to be all the same scene, same scene, back and back it, it can yeah have like a fluid yeah. thing and then a couple of times it has those kind of like different perspectives on the same events I, I i don't think the whole movie should be this one perspective in the scene and then this one again um yeah the, yeah, yeah I, no, I think that would get really tired really quick probably be like that movie sliding doors or something like that we don't <laughs> want that yeah no and i, no, I agree with that get... i was just thinking in terms of is the story told chronologically or is it kind of told you know it could jump around jump through around. time, but I think it would hit those. Yeah. I think it would hit those key moments yeah. of like, and and this could be just, and it doesn't need to be like you know, textbook by the book, real world. This is what happens in a divorce mm-hmm. proceeding, right? Because this like, maybe we're combining the recordings from their marriage counseling and their arbitration and the divorce proceeding. So we're we're getting like intercut bits and pieces where it kind of can jump through time a little bit where you're talking about the highlights of a relationship, but also the, the lowlights and just like moments that stuck out to them as to what led to the divorce. Mm. And like, and in order to get that accurately, they decide that they're going to start from the beginning of like their first date. And that's maybe that's the highlight that sticks out where it's like, well, how did it get to this point? And the lady goes, well, I should have known from our very first date. And then, you know, the, the guy goes, I thought it started out great. And, you know, yeah. so you get the, you, that's where you get like our first, like they weren't even on the same page from like day one, but then occasionally they could be on the same page when they tell a story and it just like, it just m- merges and like, you know, they tell the story and it, it makes sense. And then it goes like, okay, well, you know, if it was so bad, why'd you even propose? And then you get the story of them proposing and like the love and the relationship there, or like the first time you met their parents, like you get these like milestones of relationships and then the end of the relationship. Yeah. And I, and I like that. Mm. I just want to, I mean, I think that the story that we build should end with thinking that these people 
cared about each other and loved each other. Whether no matter yeah. what the outcome was, mm-hmm. I don't think it should be this. This I don't even, this this was bad from the start. I don't even know why why we did this, right? Well, but that's how it starts, and then it ends with them going. Well, I guess there were some good times, you know. That's what I'm saying. It starts with them saying like, and that's just to get the juxtaposition of of where they thought the relationship was mm-hmm. when it started, and then like like I said, every once in a while you get those overlaps where they both realize like, oh, this was good. We just grew apart. Like we're not good for each other. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not good with each other, but we're good for our kid. That kind of logic that leads to an amicable split it, uh, and and it does because like i said it doesn't need to be one person's a villain one person's a yeah. villain oh the the big twist is everybody's a villain in their own you know <laughs> yeah there, there should way. be it's, the other person telling like a good story about the other one in there so and yeah that, that kind of like would build the romance a little bit between like the relationship because you get those you get those yeah. good moments you get those bad moments you know no no relationship is like this like poster storybook like everything was perfect and we never got into a fight and we loved each other from from day one but i think that's the good you get those you get those real moments you get the you get the reality of like oh it wasn't the worst thing ever we didn't beat each other we didn't like throw books at each other or like try to cut each other with bottles or anything like that like it's not a toxic Mm -hmm. relationship i want to avoid that i want it to just be like this was a relationship that was never quite on the same or right footing except for a few times. But then we just kind of grew apart and like, you know, so I don't want, I don't want anyone to be like the, the villain or the, the maybe, you know, there'll be times where they're the bad person in the story, but they're not the, yeah the worst person that you never should have married. They just weren't built for. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Like, I, I think when we reveal that it's, you know, the kid watching this at the end, that we shouldn't know automatically who the kid's going to choose, you know, like it's still kind of like a tough choice of who is the better parent, but then there's, you know, there's always going to be other factors like, Oh, well staying here means I could stay with my friends and leaving Mm -hmm. means I got to go do, you know, move across the country. And so there's, there's that kind of thing, but like the, the romance and the relationship of the parents, should be like they're both a little bad both a little good and like the main thing is like these you know two or three events that happened that led to the divorce and how they dealt with that and their kids around the same thing and what this means going forward um so like we have a hard choice really vilifying anyone but it's all about these equally kind of like bad moments that they have in the relationship, like how everyone kind of has, you know, a bad day or makes a poor decision in a relationship. And you can either work to resolve it or it's, you know, something that will tear you apart. And I think that's kind of what we're going to get in the mix with watching, uh, watching these people, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think you can get some fun, cute moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can get some really emotional, like, I'm hurt with this argument yeah. moments where, you know, it's like, you might not have meant to. And maybe even like, you know, we can do those from the split perspective mm-hmm. where it's like, you may not have. the So, like, the person who got hurt doesn't even realize 
or the person who did the hurting doesn't realize that they had hurt them yeah. so badly. But we get to see that and the kid gets to see that, you know, by retro by retrospect. But we get to see that as an audience of like, oh, this is how they thought that situation went. And it doesn't even need to be melodramatic. It could be like they just didn't realize how much they hurt that person. I don't it, you know, it's not mm-hmm. It's not the person who was hurt overreacting. It's the person who did the hurting, not realizing that this was such a huge wounding moment for their partner. Yeah. And I, I think that that's an interesting play on perspective to to mess with, where it's like this big event to them was just a non-event, like you know, non-event to someone else. Yeah, a non-event yeah. to the other person. I, I kind of wonder. One of the things that I, I I think it would be a pretty low blow from like the mom or the dad for that matter for either one of them to like, Oh, you're struggling with this decision. Well, let's listen to a tape of your dad, like, or me talking crap about your dad for four hours. Right. I don't know if there's a way to frame that and that like, maybe the kid already had a kind of an idea of who the mom was and who the dad was. And maybe the dad he maybe the kid always looked at the dad as being, you know, not as good of a father or blame them for the divorce or whatever. And maybe these tapes kind of equal, equal it out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think the hardest part to explain with the kid being the, the secondary audience is did the kid see an edited version of the tapes where, <laughs> you know, like did the kid actually sit down and listen to both sides for five hours or did they listen to like a trimmed down edited like version, you mm-hmm. know, cause, cause now we've got this, you know, hour and a half, two hour narrative that we've got this element of the kid listening to the tapes, but then it's like, well, how did they get edited? Was like the court reporter just a hobbyist editor and was like, ooh, these moments line up. That's mm-hmm. fun. And like put it together. Cause I know narratively we're getting it as an yeah. audience, but then it's like, that's going to be a question people have is like, well, how did this kid get the version that we just saw of these two different Well, maybe tapes they asked them like together. the same questions and then they just cut, all right, this is this person's answer. This is this person's answer. So we can kind of see that as we're watching it. So it doesn't like cut back and forth. They'll cut to, you know, the end of one person's part of the story. And then the next like cut is the beginning part of the, the answer for the second person. Like, yeah, I, so I I do think there's a way we could, we could get around that. It's just, uh, it feels a little, now it feels like shoehorned in on like, (laughs) like it doesn't, we don't have to be showing like an edited thing. I mean, it could be, just kind of like implied that he watched one of all the tapes and all the other, but now we're just kind of, we're, we're cutting down that time of us having to watch four hours of deposition, you know, that's what I was thinking. Well, that's what I'm saying. So like the kid watched both tapes, like back to back. I I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out like, that's like one of those questions that we don't specifically kind of just let it go. You know, yeah. it's part of the the framing of the story. So, like, people will understand that he watched both. You know, I think that in the tapes yeah. or in the rec- in the the story that's being told through those tapes, right? So we have the series of of interviews where we're telling stories, and I think in that story, because it doesn't matter what he listens to, the story that we're telling is what he is taking away from it, right? Mm-hmm. 
I think in that story, it needs to demonstrate some sort of problem between the kid and one of their parents. And the outcome of, of that story would be that the kid looks at that relationship differently to make their decision more like less easy. Right. And, and then you end with the mom or dad or whoever saying like, I really wanted you to kind of see both sides and, and see what was going on here because you know, does that make sense? Like it doesn't matter what the kid, the kid could be listening to 20 hours of tapes, but yeah. the story that there were, that the kid is taking away and that right. we're taking away is, is this edited version. Yeah, is what we see. Okay, I get it. It could um, be. Yeah, it could works. be both parents at the end are like, you know, they come into the frame and they're just like, "All right, you understand everything's on the table now. You know both yeah. sides of our things." So yeah, it's not like, and that's yeah, what I think. I think it doesn't need like, to be. They, yeah, it doesn't need to be like the. the kid. Oh, sorry, Paul. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. that makes sense. I just think. I mean, like, you know, not that that there was any shortage of this in my parents' divorce, but like, if there was the situation where like my dad or my mom like gave me all this like behind the scenes stuff of my dad just being a jerk and like, who do you want to live with now? That's a really shitty thing to do. Right. So I think like trying to set it up in a way where it either evens the playing field or it's a joint decision makes more sense to me in, Mm -hmm. in terms of a, you know, the narrative there. Yeah. And I think it, I think it also shows that they didn't split up or try to, cause any animus with the kid they just want whatever decision they make to be the most informed one they can on where they're going because you know yeah you're 14 maybe 13 we keep maybe a little younger to where it's like you're gonna be with one of us for the next five to six years like and and it doesn't even need really even need to be spelled out completely i guess it's just we're getting ready to move across one of us is getting ready to move across country we want it to be up to you on who you're going to go with. And that's why we gave you these tapes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I still think that we're leaving that it up to, to you. be this element of, of changing his mind about something, because I don't know. To me, it still seems irrelevant, kind of like. But then like, it, why but then it comes, then it becomes like to his decision unless he has made up his mind already or has this preconceived idea about about what happened in their divorce or 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 the how good of a parent someone is and stuff like that. And the only way that they're going to, he's going to be making he or she, the child is going to be making a more informed decision is by hearing it from both sides. And I, I just don't see the need to have your kid listen to you talk, you know, to go through the entire relationship. If the decision they're making isn't, it hasn't already been made, you know? Then we're getting back to the underhanded, like villainous aspect of showing the tapes. Then like it, 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 it needs to be like, they're just on the fence about it and they're leaning one way or the other. We don't know which way, but now they're getting the tapes. So now they get to, to experience it. I I think that's the, I think that's the, the draw is that we're getting the, we're getting what's informing their decision, whether or not it was concrete made already. I don't know. I think it just gives a, I think it gives a cool narrative device for why we're getting this story. I, I, and I don't think it needs to be 
the last act of the movie is who the kid chooses to to go with. This could be the last scene of the movie where they're mm-hmm. just like, so do you understand now why we split up? And maybe they're not even moving. Maybe they just were like, here you go. Like you asked why we mm-hmm. split up and they just play the deposition. <laughs> like, here's, here's what happened. That makes more sense to me too. That makes more sense to me than showing the tape to inform the decision. If, if the kid already didn't have, some sort of preconceived idea about what happened, then like the tapes aren't really going to clear that up. Yeah. You know, but we're, because we're getting this as like, it's just a cool narrative reveal. Of, yeah. Like, then he's no longer an unreliable narrator though. Right. Well, both, but both people are unreliable they're narrators. Unreliable narrators so. They're unreliable because yeah. they're contradicting each other's stories yeah. and neither one of them can be a hundred percent factual. Yeah. So, and then maybe the kid just goes, I think you're both nuts. <laughs> that that works. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to live with my aunt Trisha. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that, yeah, maybe it's just the kid was like, I've never understood why you and dad split up. And then they go, well, here you go. This is why we split up. <laughs> yeah. And the kid's yeah. like, you can just be like, the kid just goes, terrible. well, I didn't. <laughs> movies over. Yeah. He's like, he's like, well. Sounds like you both just never should have got together in the first place. <laughs> and that's the movie. How I Left Your Mother. <laughs> I think that, that that makes sense. I don't know if we can or if it's something that is even doable in the time period. Uh, you know, break down what some of these scenes are. I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I think the reality is, is it like outside of some like smaller scenes of like them meeting and other stuff there needs to be maybe like this backbone of of you know i don't know how many scenes of like yeah things that really affected their relationship and took and took them from being in love to to getting divorced right and i don't really know if we're going to be able to to narrow down what they are sure sure having a kid we're like that <laughs> we make it we make it so it's the kid's fault like we blame the kid and they're like you understand they're like so now you get it right you get why we split it's up you. it was you it was, it was you, you it was your along. fault you little shit <laughs> that's why we wanted to play these tapes for you because you're why we split up no um <laughs> it's like the last question is for both of them like if you could uh just say one reason why you're getting divorced and they both go Steve. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> and then it cuts to him listening and then he starts crying. Terrible movie. <laughs> no, I, so I think I think we get um I think we get just the general disintegration of the relationship. Like and we could get some good scenes in there where it's like he got a promotion at the power plant mm-hmm. and wasn't home as much and it was around the same time when she was trying to announce that she was having the baby and he didn't come to the baby shower because he had to go to some conference and he didn't, you know, and so you get these like, and you, it doesn't all need to be around the kid. It, it should be, he started choosing his professional life over the family, but then from his side of things, he's doing things to get more money, to be able to have a better house, to be able to provide for them better without realizing that he's just completely neglecting his relationship. Uh, But then he kind of comes to that realization in the tapes where he's like, yeah, I missed the first birthday and yeah, I missed our wedding anniversary and I missed a bunch of stuff. And, you know, but then you could also be like, but she was also 
doing, I don't know, whatever, where she was starting her job. And so the kids with the babysitter a lot and they never had family night and they, you know, you get, you get these sort of like justifications for why the relationship started failing. And there's a whole tape out of all of them just about their sexual problems. (laughs) Yeah. It has to listen to. Yeah. We just full penetration. (laughs) We show it. (laughs) Let's just play the sex tape now. (laughs) Look, buddy, no, no more, uh, no more secrets. You're going to watch everything. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) He's got like the fucking clockwork orange eye thing. So he can't blink and he's just staring at this. <laughs> oh man! I like that this has turned into, like, you know, with the with the advent of social media and cameras on our phones, like our entire lives are recorded in any way. So now we're gonna play it all back to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and here's that secret no, so camera I, I, I put in your mom's room, <laughs> right over the toilet. Um, that was a. <laughs> this is why we got divorced. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah no, i think that i think that that's the and i know we're kind of going back to broad strokes on it but I, I think we've got some good moments and some good scenes that could happen we talked about having a scene that their intentions were misremembered or misinterpreted and you know one person is you know, angry at the other one and, and they didn't realize they were angry. They didn't realize it was as big of a deal. And maybe it was this kind of like big nail in the coffin to their marriage that like the husband or the wife just didn't realize was so bad. Right. But at that point, not only was it bad, it, the, the, the other party had already just kind of given up. Right. So like, it, it's kind of like just, you did something that hurt me you're not apologizing, not realizing it. And it's just a on the laundry list of things. Right. I kind of wonder, like maybe, maybe we could talk a little bit about what that, what that is. Whatever that big know. scene is like, cause that's kind of like the, <clears throat> the end, the, the, the final note no, or nail in the coffin type mm-hmm. type scene that needs to be, I think it needs to be more than just like, you weren't there. And, yeah. You know, yeah. You weren't I, there is just this cliched thing that men do. No, I think right? it should be like, I, th- I think it needs to, I think it should be like the, the scene oh. in Goodfellas where he finally gets caught by the FBI. Right. Where it's like, we, we were doing this and then we had to go to this place to get this thing. And then we had to go back to make sure that the pot was stirred to, you know, to get the sauce going for dinner. And then I had to go get the veal. And then he had these guns that I had to go take over to this guy. And then the silencers wouldn't fit and he wouldn't take the fucking gun. So I had to go over here. And so it's like a bunch of shit like that. So like maybe, you know, the mom's father is, is sick and he has to go to the hospital, but the dad got tickets to like WrestleMania with the kid. And instead of going to see her, father in the hospital he took the kid to go to this the wrestlemania thing and then the dad ended up or the the grandfather ended up dying and he didn't know and then he like stayed out extra long to do this thing to meet up with a friend of his and never called her and meanwhile her father's dead and in the hospital and he was just like not responsive with uh you know trying to get back to see him and then the kid didn't get to see his grandfather before he died and didn't know all this stuff so 
you know, a bunch of different things like happening all at once. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, emotionally there's a big strain there, but then they were like also physically not there. And then another layer on top of this is like this kid missed out on seeing his grandfather because he passed because of this, you know, stupid thing that they went to, you know, and then we can probably build in a couple other like things on top of that. Um, like he was going think- to have like surgery, but it was going to be fine, but it ended up not being fine. And he ended up dying. You know, some some like yeah. a couple of things like that that could just like kind of snowball mm. into this one event. Yeah, I like the idea of it being centered around a death in the family. Um, I wonder if because like honestly, like you have a terminally ill in law and you're going to see WrestleMania is a shitty thing to do, right? Yeah, right. And if we're trying to play it off as just kind of like him not realizing he did something wrong then maybe it should be less, maybe more circumstantial. Like there's this, like you're talking about this, just like series of circumstances that got him from, you know, being a supportive husband to not being one Mm -hmm. in that scenario. And, but like after that happened, the wife kind of just shut down and couldn't, couldn't forgive him. And just like, it didn't, the excuses didn't matter. Right. Cause at the end of the day, they're just excuses. You, you missed this moment in my life that was like, I needed you. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, once, you know, he hears the, and maybe, you know, once she hears the tapes or whatever, you know, there's, there's this, you know, bigger understanding of everything that happened. He wasn't really in control of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he's not that horrible of a person, but she just yeah. w- shut him off at that point because he wasn't yeah. there. So like, I don't know. Maybe the grandfather was like, he fell down and broke a hip, but he was fine. He was going to have like hip surgery. He's been in the, the hospital for like a week. They already had the tickets and um, he was surprising the kid for his birthday or something like that. And so they went and saw the grandfather like early on and he was like, oh no, I'm fine. I'm going to have surgery. Like this is never a problem. But then like he dies in surgery while they're at this event and, you know, it could be like this, like, uh, you know, it's no one's fault kind of a thing. And they said it was OK to go and surprise the kid for his birthday. But like he didn't check with the mom. But, you know, it, it could be like that kind of a thing. And then, you know, you kind of see the the downfall or stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no. And I think I think maybe we have a couple of events mm-hmm. like that. And then the big one where. The big one where he realizes he messes up is the one that's the the death yeah. in the family. But I think you have a couple before. Yeah, like he's getting promoted. Something that he could reasonably yeah. not realize she's resenting him for, mm-hmm. you know, this whole time. Where it's like, you know, he did something where he didn't even realize that he 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 messed it up. Yeah. And I can't think of any good but examples. Like he, has to, he has to like smooth you know, schmooze his boss and like goes like drinking with him without like calling her and letting her know. And then she, you know, is stuck at home with the kid. And then, you know, an emergency happens where he's not there to help her. And then he shows up later drunk or something like that. You know, there are a couple of little small things like that that kind of lead up to this bigger one. Oh yeah. So maybe he does, he misses like an entire night um, that she spent in the ER because the kid got food poisoning Mm -hmm. or something, right? Something that doesn't result in a death, but something that he definitely should have been aware of. And then he comes home drunk and like acknowledges and he's, we're not making him like an alcoholic drunkard abusive guy. We're just, this is a thing that happened and he comes home drunk and then passes out 
and he goes, you know, like, oh, was everything okay? And she goes to tell him the story, and then he's just asleep. Yeah. Or it could even and then be he just never reversed. asks about it. If again. we're trying to make this not so he's the evil one all the time, she could be the one who went went out drinking with her boss, and mm-hmm. he had some emergency with the kid. You know, just to, sure. just to make it so it's not like, oh, he's like evil because he's a man or whatever. You know, we we kind of like want right. to feel that this kid is a little bit torn with mm. both of his parents. You know. Yeah, and I'm thinking like um. If there's a really good opportunity for someone, but the other person just kind of doesn't want to even like humor the discussion because of what it would mean to change in their life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is good, and maybe that that's a little too uh, used. I don't know, but I think like if you think about life decisions and what people make, and especially in terms of things that you don't necessarily communicate that you know yeah. I, I hate you for this but you start resenting like those type of decisions always kind of rise up right like uh, yeah. i've had relationships where like i prioritize that over you know school or other things and then i always start kind of resenting those decisions because like you didn't have a f- house and i was driving you back and forth from work all the time and, and doing mm-hmm. a bunch of shit for you and i started neglecting classes and skipping classes because you needed me to do stuff for you and things like that. Like Mm -hmm. you start resenting that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that's what I I think. I think you get one like really good example of it from maybe both of them where you get like, Oh, neither one of you is flawless, but neither one of us realized we were hurting the other so bad because we just weren't communicating Mm -hmm. properly. And it doesn't result in a reconciliation. It, It results in further cementing the, if we weren't comfortable enough to tell each other about these things, then we probably shouldn't have been in this relationship anyway, kind of realization instead of like, Oh, I wish I had just known that like, yeah, I wish I had known you were going through this, but the fact that we never told each other we were going through this says a lot also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, so, so I, I like that, that too. Okay. Well, I mean, you guys have it any sounds, other thoughts, things you want to talk about more? I don't it know. It sounds more or less like this is kind of a thing. We get, we can have in there, I just thought of another scenario of like a a strain on the relationship is like um, they try to start this business with like another mutual like partner and that guy ends up taking all their money and then they, it just adds like another level of stress to it. Like uh, they try to open up some business and then, then this guy is like sketchy with all their money and ends up, you know, losing the business and getting them or one of them arrested for, you know, fraud or something like that. And, you know, they eventually get acquitted from it, but like, it was just like another strain upon this is like just a bad decision that they made that, um, you know, as they're watching these tapes, they like look into their history. I mean, you can have a couple of those like things like that, but then, you know, you have a couple of those stories where someone really came through for, you know, the other one. And so you have this good kind of mix. I think that would kind of solidify this thing as like a romance where you have this kind of strains on the relationship, but they're still kind of doing good. But then like the strains kind of build up and then you see the demise of the relationship and that could keep this within the romance genre for that. Um, and then we have the unreliable narrator. We got the briefcase with the lawyer dude. Power plant can be a place that he works at and the do the boss thing for one of them or yeah. she works at it or whatever. You know, she's some kind of 
inspector or something like that. Um, and then what else was there? This is a child as a character, which yeah, okay. So then uh, we get we, the there we, go. we got all be a character in different ages throughout. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. It'll it'll yeah. show up. So there you it'll go. We got all five. Right Boom. Um, we did I had it. a thought real quick, and and I don't right. I don't know if we need to go too far down this hole, but like right now we we've been talking a lot of about like external kind of conflicts, and I wonder if there's room for uh something a little bit more internal, like. And I started thinking about this when Mikey mentioned um, the idea of just not communicating that was the problem. And like, you know, part of, you know, depression or other uh, mental health issues is, is not always being able to communicate that to other people mm-hmm. and talk about it. And I wonder if, uh, you know, I wonder if there, I mean, if there's an incident that, you know, could bring on, you know, an episode of, of you know, depression or whatever with with one of the characters but then the other character isn't really sympathetic or or isn't really like empathetic we could explore the post we could just we could explore explore the postpartum stuff that he just maybe he just doesn't understand it and i mean i know we're turning it on the guy a lot i think and don't necessarily like that it's just some of the easier gets are like something that could cause someone who's not normally depressed to become depressed is postpartum Mm -hmm. because your body does crazy hormone stuff when you get pregnant but if we wanted to make it like the guy goes through a bout of depression maybe he loses his job at the power plant because he just go gets depressed like he has depression and he just can't do his job anymore and she keeps getting mad at him for not going Mm -hmm. to work and then you know but he's like crippled by his depression and she just doesn't get it maybe she's the one who doesn't get it so we we get rid of the postpartum and she just doesn't understand what's making him not able to function because he just, he's depressed and he won't go to a therapist and he won't get medication for it. Um, and she's not being supportive at all. And she just thinks he's just bummed out or whatever. Right. Like that's the common go to mm-hmm. is like, you're just feeling sad. Get over yourself. Yeah. We can work some of those into in, in there. Right. Like, if she's the one who works at the power plant and he's the one who like started this business that the guy stole all their money and then he gets depressed after that, but she's still working at the power plant trying to, you know, you get a, get a better job and promotion there. And then she ends up doing that getting drunk thing. And while well, he has an emergency and he's also depressed and then, you know, later he tries to get out of this funk. He finally gets a, a job and then the whole thing with like her dad happens that way kind of evens out who's, you know, who's bad, who's going through mental problems, who's angry at who for, you know, a couple different emergencies that happen within the family. Yeah. yeah. But I think, I think, I think having those sort of like, it almost turns into a therapy session doing this deposition mm-hmm. where he's like talking about what he was going through and how, she didn't care and she didn't understand or like she didn't even notice that his, his small business had dried up because she was so wrapped up in her own life when they're supposed to be partners. Like you get that sort of talk um, that that could work. I think that's good. And then you get her getting, uh, you know, left behind with the boss or with the, uh, the life event where her father dies and he just wasn't able to be there because he was, Maybe he was trying to get this new angle to work or take the kid out like we talked mm-hmm. about or something, but 
she he misses that huge life event. So we we balance out the the good and the bad, and it doesn't have to be a one for one. There could be, and of course, everyone watching it would be able to have their own interpretation, feeling mm. of what's the who's the bigger screw up and who's who's really the bad person in this relationship. And that's I think any good story can leave you feeling sympathy for both characters or none mm. of them. You know, like you could be you could leave it thinking like, oh, they're both just terrible for each other or you could leave it thinking he screwed up the relationship or she screwed up the relationship depending on your own personal you know experiences and and baggage that you're bringing to the to the art which i think is one of the beautiful things about art in general is that people bring their own interpretations to certain things like obviously there's there are narratives where it's like this person was the bad guy (laughs) but there are also really good ambiguous ones where no one's really the good or bad. It lives in that gray. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like, uh, yeah. I like this idea generally. Um, I think that maybe the depression angle should inform a little bit more or should have a play, like play into a little bit more of his shortcomings mm-hmm. because sure. If, yeah. He's depressed. He's yeah, insecure. If she's he, not you know. understanding that aspect of him. Right. Then a lot of, yeah, what she sees is him being lazy, unmotivated, things like that is actually his depression, yeah. and he's not dealing with it in an appropriate way either. So he doesn't even know how to like vocalize mm-hmm. these feelings to her because he's it's it's all so much in his head, and he hasn't. So yeah. I, I think that could work really well in making him sympathetic in a way, but also like just because you have depression doesn't give you a license to doesn't be give you a free pass. Yeah, he doesn't give you a free pass to be you know a bad husband about father things like that right Mm -hmm. and so like there's some you know personal accountability there that he has to take on decisions he made uh that negatively affected his wife and their child and and i think that that that's interesting to explore and a little bit more interesting than than you know he got drunk with a friend or whatever you know like those yeah yeah external yeah 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 um because that just makes him seem like a selfish asshole. And I don't think that's the goal of any of these. It's more of like exploring two sides of the coin and how, you know, both people's interpretations of an event, they're not 100% bad or good. It's just kind of like this is the life we lead and the choices we make, right? Yeah. Cool. I like that a lot. I think this was, this is pretty cool. And I don't know... I can't say off the top of my head if there's any movies uh, directly like this, but um, I mean, I think um, that yeah, I mean, I think references we're from a bunch of things, yeah, like, like similar styles, but yeah. I, I don't know if there's a specific uh, film, so, not in my mind at least. That is like there, this. there's one that yeah, I think it's like, like I, I can kind of see hints of like a couple movies. One is Defending Your Life, which is this Albert Brooks movie, which if you haven't seen it you should watch it. It's awesome. I think Criterion's coming out with a, like a 30 year anniversary one of it. Um, but it's kind of like a mix of that and Kramer versus Kramer. Um, mm. And I don't, I don't think it's particularly, I don't, I don't think it's really ripping off those, but it's got like those hints of that. Like, you know, any, any kind of movie is going to have some kind of influence. And I think those, and then maybe a little bit of like boyhood, where you kind of get the, mm. you know, the just life happening and these different kind of like events kind of thing. And you kind of mix those three together. And you kind of get this movie. I think yeah. that's probably a good description of it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and then just the unreliable narrators of like almost any unreliable narrator movie, like except this time we're splitting the duty. Mm-hmm. Like it's two people telling. So it's, you get that Rashomon yeah. feel where it's, you know, that one was four people, right? Am I it was It was, was three, it three people and then like a, like a okay. soothsayer a ghost. Or, or like a like a medium that spoke to ghosts or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So you get you're getting that Rashomon vibe of we're telling the same story, but from two different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to get that split narration and both narrators are. They're not lying. They're just unreliable because they're telling it how they saw it. And it's it's that human mm. element of it. So I, I I really like it. I like I like where this is going. And it's definitely got some influences. I can't think of anything that I'm like directly ripping off of, but Yeah. I need a little bit of Annie Hall in there too, just reflecting yeah. on a on a bad yeah, uh, I guess, relationship. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, cool. Um what are we thinking for a title? Now's where it gets hard because I made the joke title of how I left your mother. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I that's gonna think work. <laughs> I have an idea for the poster. <laughs> the poster should just be a closed briefcase with a tape recorder. Yeah, I like that. That's what, that's actually almost top? exactly what I was yeah. thinking. Or like of. a tape yeah. recorder next to it. Maybe. Okay. But like an old fashioned tape recorder, not like a not like a zoom uh Yeah, like yeah, H4 like one of the ones that actually takes like the a, little mini tapes. Yeah, yeah. But like an old yeah. fashioned like analog tape recorder next to a, a briefcase, maybe like a notepad or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. just have the record button and play button down. Like it's like, it's recording, you know, yeah. like it's recording. Yeah. Um, I, I have no idea for a title though. That's, uh, um, hmm. cause it's like, yeah. Titles get, <laughs> when you got one this good, you don't want to give it like some like goofy or like bad title. You want to, cause like, I really like this. Like I want to give this like yeah. a good title. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to think, okay, so there's um, like, you know, Blue Valentine doesn't necessarily give away anything to the story, but it does kind of give away the themes, right? You know, sad romance and the kind of like the downfall of the relationship. So maybe something a little bit more kind of abstract like that could work for this. Like, what if we, what if it's just our story? Okay. I like. I, I just keep thinking the way we were, and uh, some fucking Barbara Streisand song or something like that. You know what I just <laughs> realized though, with the recording and the tapes and playing the tapes, it's kind of Thirteen Reasons Why, except not about suicide. Yeah. We're just going to pretend one, that, that thing doesn't two, exist. Two narrators. Instead. I've never yeah. seen Thirteen Reasons Why, so it's it's very bad. <laughs> but. but I like our story. Um, it doesn't really do much maybe you get, like uh, it could be like of, the their last name like you know this is bad but like the johnsons but it could be like their last name just like that the whoever's i, mean, I kind of like our story because you can end it like just with them we can use the title in the in the <laughs> movie you know this is <laughs> ah, he said it <laughs> <laughs> he said the thing <laughs> okay i'm fine with our story i like it like our backwards like toys R Us, right <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, I think that sounds good. Our story. Uh, I really I like the, the poster art um that we talked about already. Trying to think of cast. Yeah, I mean, I think we just need to cast the the parents and the kid and the lawyer, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that would be almost more of like a cameo like Yeah, I guess the grandfather, the boss, if we really want to get into the Yeah, like, I think we can the, skip the, the lawyer and just do like the family parts you know kid okay. mom dad 
the boss and the grandfather, and that's probably a good amount. Yeah, I mean, I think the lawyer would probably be like an un, unaccredited like vo- voice role from George Clooney or something like that, you know? And, and, <laughs> or like, yeah, <laughs> we get uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Julia Roberts' brother, Eric, Eric Roberts. Roberts. <laughs> he has to show up drunk on set for a day, and <laughs> the drunk lawyer. Yeah, let's go. Let's start to start tell tell it. Go do the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, so uh, for the for the wife and mom. I was thinking uh, Zoe Deschanel. I, I kind of lean against her just because I don't want it to be like 500 days of summer. Okay. And I think with the I flashbacks, this I might be a little too close to that. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay. not even sure if Zoe Deschanel can really do a drama role. I've never really, I mean, does she really Oh, she's do good that? in like Winter's Passing. That's a good dramatic role. Okay. I, I hadn't watched that, but most of her. Yeah, most of what she's done has been comedy. I mean, my thoughts is someone both both the mother and the father need to be able to do um, more than just like drama, drama, but like improvise even like like the way how they're talking on the tapes really needs to feel like real, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So for the dad, how about uh, Mr. Odenkirk? Get Bob Odenkirk, Bob Odenkirk up in here. I don't know. I come, I was kind of thinking like, uh, like, or Brian kind Cranston of a younger. Like I don't want to do Brian Cranston. You don't want to go I too think, old. Yeah, the, those guys kind of start to get a little bit too old. I, I want it to be kind of like a young man's game with what's going on here. So like someone who's like mid late thirties, early forties, mid to late thirties. If you think we they have a. Or, I mean, someone maybe even a little bit younger that could be made to look a little bit older. Because if you think about sure. we have uh we have a kid who's 14 years old. Yeah. At the end, right? Yeah. Um, But that older shot, you know, if they had, if they, if they got married or like 25, 26, you're talking about 40. Yeah. At that point. Right. But what like are... them, them when he's a teenager. Yeah is only going to be a small part of the movie, right? Right. So we want to be able to like have them live their life through their thirties. Yeah. Well, what about, and where uh, they could reasonably fucks his name, uh, played judge dread. Um, not Stallone, the other, Oh, uh, Carl Carl Urban. Urban. He is 48. Is that too old still? We want a little younger. It depends on what, you know, age range we want to show. I mean, it's not like a, uh, Someone in their third. I mean, I'm gonna be 48 by the time I have. A, <laughs> I'm gonna be 55 by the time I have a 15 year old kid. Right there, you go. What about Elijah Wood? What's he doing these days? Elijah Wood. Yeah. How how old's he looking these days? I just I don't think Elijah Wood has that like that kind of like um, you know he could be an asshole kind of a thing. He's just like too much of a cute little button, you know. But that's the thing. He's not like totally. But but then when he does p- turn it on and become an asshole, you're like, oh, I, I like it. I want I want Elijah Wood. That's who I want to play the the dad. Elijah Wood. <laughs> I will, Elijah you Wood can play the kid. Yeah. That's his right age. Right? <laughs> <laughs> He's a little bitty baby. I would like you over Elijah Wood, so you can have him. I I like Elijah Wood. For so this. Elijah Wood and Anna Kendrick. Those are about the right ages. I was gonna go with uh. I was gonna go with Journey Smollett. She's in uh. Lovecraft Country. Is this Juicy Smollett's sister? Yes. But she's really talented. 
she's 34 currently. Okay, I'm fine with her if you want to do that and Elijah Wood. Um, who do you want for the kid? Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't a know series really of young actors. Just, uh, yeah. just the unknown. A, the kid's basically a prop at this point. Okay. so sorry for that role uh grandpa jake lloyd (laughs) we'll bring jake lloyd back it matters who's the kid in other scenes but like we need to find a bunch of kids from i don't think it needs to be a shitload you get one kid who's roughly around 13 he can play most of them except for like the baby roles you know most of the stories can be kind of later in the relationship yeah there's that kid, Ethan William Childress. Um, he might look like a kid Elijah Wood and Journey Smollett would have. Yeah, I think that's good. The grandpa can be... Who's who's the guy who does the Allstate commercials? <laughs> oh, I know who you're talking about. Because he was on an Dennis episode of Haber- Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Haysbert. Yes. Dennis Haysbert. That could be the grandpa. Right. I mean, I think that that is probably good enough for a cast, though. Cast. Sounds good. Our story. All right. That sounds good. Movie done. Movie we done. Case, romance, movie. kid, unreliable narrator, <laughs> uh, briefcase again. What was the other thing? Power briefcase. plant. Power plant. There we go. Beefcake. Beefcake. <laughs> <laughs> All kinds Cheesecake. of Cheesecake. <laughs> All right. Well, that is uh, script round two. Check us out on social, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at script round two. Check out our website, screwpromptu.com. If you have any comments, suggestions, thoughts on what you would do with these prompts or any other prompts that we've done in other episodes, feel free to email us at podcast at screwpromptu.com or you can message us on social media. If you like what we're doing and you'd like to hear more of it, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash screwpromptu, where you can get bonus episodes and early access to our content. Adios. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you.